go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Asky Anything presented by Mojo Consulting. I'm your host, Angel Leon, Mojo's HR advisor. In this week's episode, we'll be listening in on Dynatrace and Mosher Consulting CIO Roundtable discussion about moving forward in tech. Our panelists include Grant Dawson, Vice President of IT for T2 Systems, Norav Shaw, Vice President of IT for Republic Airways, Michael Loggins, Global Vice President of IT for SMC, and Mosher Consulting's very own Sean McAdams, our Vice President of Data Analytics. This is part one of a two-part series in which our CIO Roundtable discuss moving forward in tech and what that looks like during the times we're currently living in. Let's have a listen. Today, we're going to talk about a topic, um, modernization. I mean, that's kind of at a core, regardless uh, within IT, uh, how you support your business, how you can advance that. Uh, we're going to do that through some key concepts. We're going to talk about technology, um, but we're also going to focus in on people and process that are really, really critical um, when we're trying to advance and move uh, technology forward. Um, to do that, I have three awesome vice presidents of IT with me, so I'm going to introduce them and, and bring them in. Um, first, uh, T2 Systems is a leader in technology for the parking industry. So from permits to enforcements, pay stations, uh, mobile payments, they provide comprehensive solutions for the parking industry, managing billions of transactions, thousands of IoT devices. Um, so a lot of work go in. Um, for those that even probably came in here today that parked, you probably interacted with a system uh, that was supported you know, by T2 Systems. And so very happy to have Grant Dawson. Grant Dawson serves as Vice President of IT for T2 Systems. Thank you so much, Grant. All right, rjet.com. So if you haven't, um, if you've ever flown with American Airlines, uh, United, Delta, you probably have interacted with some employees from Republic Airways. They have over 6,000 aviation uh, employees, um, 200 uh, jets. They service thousands of flights to 100 cities within Central and North America. And so today we're joined by Nero uh, Shaw, who is the Vice President of Information Technology from Republic Airways. Nero, appreciate you. And last but not least, SMC Corporation is a leader in pneumatic technology, providing uh, the industry with technology and products that promote automation, which is kind of nice because we're talking about automation today within information technology. They have production facilities in 30 countries, um, sales networks in over 80. I actually don't know that there is an industrialized country that you guys probably are not in involved with. Um, so, uh, global uh, company, Mike Loggins, the global vi vice president of IT, uh, is here with us today. He's going to uh, round out our panelists. So Mike, yeah, appreciate it. Have a seat. All right. So, thank you guys again um, for, for joining us, um, be able to talk about uh, automation and modernization. So, as I said, we're going we're gonna to hit topics of tech. We're going to hit topics of people and process. I already know, having talked with these guys, they would so much rather focus in on people and process because that's so more important, even though the titles are information technology. But we're going to hit tech first because I think it's important to give some context behind the initiatives that their teams are working on. And then we'll talk about how uh, people and process uh, sort of affect that. So uh, I'm going to ask you guys first just to talk about either uh, current 
future or um, past modernization efforts that your teams are focused on, just to give some context, if you will, for you know the audience. So let's start with Mike, and we'll come this way. Yeah. Uh, so with SMC, uh, we're on a big uh, strategy right now to start um, consolidating. We have, like like, like Sean said, uh, over 80 facility, 80 sales branches, 30 factories, multiple warehouses. They've all been run autonomously for the last 60 years. So really what we're trying to do is streamline, bring everyone together, get a standardization of, of technology together, and which is a huge undertaking. SMC typically does not um, have large investments in IT across the board. So getting not only support from headquarters to change how we invest in IT, but then building a team from scratch really um, that is focused on um, providing these new st services, uh, streamlining and, and uh, standardizing on infrastructure across the globe is, is our big challenge right now and probably is gonna be uh, full of uh, fun for the next uh, forever, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Grant, what are some things your team is focusing on that teaches us? Yeah, so for us, um, we have several different uh, SaaS product lines that, that we oper operationalize. And, you know, throughout the years, uh, you know, we, we, we kind of joke at T2, we were doing SaaS before it was called SaaS, right? We just kind of, you know, had the, had the products and threw them out there and, and sell them on a subscription. And we also manufacture them hardware. So hardware often comes with those SaaS subscriptions. Um, and so over the years, you know, you, you, you get some legacy products, you get the technical debt that you, you kind of compile. And so when we look at that, you know, there's, we're never going to go and, and, and just have a strategy where we're going to just reinvent the wheel, right? We're not going to go and just re, uh, redesign an application from the ground up. Um, everybody knows you come in late on budget and um, on time if you try to do that. So our strategy has really been to, okay, how do we modernize and bolt on to our existing systems and add, you know, uh, containerization, our services where we can slowly start to move uh, different features and products. So whenever we look at when we want to touch a product or do anything with that product, the first thing that we think about is, okay, how do we how do we take that and maybe have it sit outside a normal object layer of the business? And, and then that way it allows us to modernize and move forward and, and still really treat our legacy with the respect it needs and continue to build upon that, um, but without having to have to worry about uh, redoing or remodernizing an entire platform. Awesome, thank you. So the... Nirav Shah, as you said, and uh, thank you for inviting me to be on the panel. It's my pleasure. The only problem with this is I was told this was going to be an, another COVID panel. <laughs> <laughs> and I walked in the room and you changed it to modernization. <laughs> so. But that's much more entertaining than the COVID panel. We have, have enough of those. So mm -hmm. uh, thank you. Um, the question, modernization at Republic. So you mentioned 1,000 plus flights. Uh, we all know last year, this time, in fact, three months ago, uh, around March, April, we were finding places where we can park our aircraft. Mm -hmm. And we were running out of places where we could park. Uh, we went from flying 1,200 flights to 140. Uh, now we are back to 1,250, and if we had enough staff to keep up, we actually would be flying 1,400 flights a day. We just cannot keep up. So uh, if everybody talked about economy and they talked about V-shaped curve, we actually experienced that. We were here, we went down, and now you know, if we wanted, we could be a lot higher than we ever flown in our 45 years history. How do we quickly recover? I think one of the big things we did over the last year is investment in technology. So it was, it was not a pleasant conversation with the executive team when you're in the middle of a pandemic and you have 80% of your aircraft park and you go to them and say, hey, I want to invest in technology and you know, do this. But luckily for us, our executive team knew 
that we would come back. Mm. We would come back quickly. So we made some massive investment last year, which really on, on a normal year would be difficult. Last year, it was extremely difficult. One of them was obviously uh, putting together a hybrid data center. So we are investing into a data center that would include our primary running in our facility uh, with a co-location. And then a secondary would be in a public cloud environment. So that's the project going on right now. We are building many applications that are on our pilots and our flight attendance devices, EFBs, electronic flight books, so that would be either iPad or an iPhone. And the reason for that is we want them to be efficient. All of us have experience where we are at the gate and there is a five minutes delay, or inside the plane and there is three minutes delay, or seven minutes delay, and that three minutes appear to be 30 minutes for all of us. Mm -hmm. So for us, on-time departure is absolutely critical. In fact, we are measured based on that. Uh, we go to 99.9% efficiencies just for on-time departure. And for that to happen, a lot of things have to come together. And for that to happen, all of those things to come together, there has to be automation. So there is heavy investment in automation. We have actually built around 50 plus bots from an RP using RPA technology uh, that have over the course of last year saved us around $1.5 million already. So there will be further investment in programs like those. Yeah, let me do a follow-up question on that. What uh, specific types of processes were you guys focused on automating um, so that you could enhance sort of that uh, goal of getting things out of the gate when they needed to be out? Yeah, and you know, we, we can sit here on the panel and, and discuss a lot about modernization and talk about cool things. Yeah. But I believe all of us, uh, and many of us in this room, we all have legacy technology that we have to deal with, right? Yeah. So a lot of time, uh, the boards that we have built is also dealing with those legacy technology that doesn't even have API. So we go all the way from API level integration to screen scraping from the legacy uh, uh, systems we have. We work, as you mentioned, with American United Delta. I'll give you one small example. So if at all we have a, a pilot or a captain who has timed out because you know he has, he's flown enough for the day and now he cannot fly, and a weather-related event happened, he's timed out, he cannot take the plane. Well, we do have to take him back to his home or at the base. And that, in our industry, it's called deadhead booking. So he's going to fly through one of our partners on an empty seat, sometime inside the cockpit. Well, we have to go into all the three systems and find that empty seat in the cockpit available from an ex a, a Miami to India, whatever it is, right? We do that through a bot now. So it, it used to be a human in inter intervention. Now we go through a system, we identify using the app. They can say, okay, I cannot fly anymore. Uh, we find the connection. We either find in one of the partner. They already get the itinerary. They get the notification. The captain or the pilot of the plane knows that there is going to be a deadhead from and Republic Airways flying on the cockpit. So that is an that's an example of an automation. That saved a lot of time for us and our partners. Awesome. And I know you, Grant, you talked about SaaS services. So I imagine you're also in a position where you have to manage these separate uh, hybrid architectures and strategies. Yeah. And how has that kind of impacted you over the past few years with the emergence of cloud and how, how T2? Sure. Yeah. Um, it, so we're hybrid as well, right? Our, our on-prem data centers are connected in the public clouds. But I think what's interesting for me is when I look at where our automation strategy, strategy has been, um, we are doing much more automation on our legacy products than we are on, on the modern. Because a lot of times the modern modern products have, and the cloud products have that hooks already in there. So, you know, to yeah. your point, we're going yeah. back and we're, we're building, you know, the tools to automate. Uh, previously, I, I joke with my team, I say, you know, we need to basically have the robots take over our jobs. That's our goal, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so, you know, one of the things that we do when I look at, you know, our architecture, one of our products, um, has uh, thousands of Oracle databases behind it, literally thousands of instances of Oracle. And so um, that's not something that you can have uh, manual interaction with on a day-in and day-out basis and be successful. Uh, so, but at the same time, operationally, we have to keep the lights on. 
And so when, when I go back to my team, one of the things that we have to look at and we say, we have to slow down to speed up. And so our strategy is, if we create, you know, if, 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 if we can do automation in a month and it means that we're going to have our uh, close ratio on tickets go down, but the end result is going to be that we're going to free up an FTE or of uh, time, you know, over the next year, you know, those are decisions that you have to make, right? Because you have to keep moving at the speed of business. And so in some cases, we've had to create operational pain um, to move forward with that automation um, and then also basically steer to business and go, there's value in this. We're doing this for a reason, and here's where we're going to uh, come out. If you do that, you better be careful because you better be right. Uh, and we've done that a couple times and have been successful in that. So it's really for us, it's looking at areas where we can just uh, go in um, and slow down, speed up, and make those improvements and automate tasks. Uh, and then we're at the point now where it's kind of a, it's a, it's a neat place to be where we're looking around, we're going, okay, what next? Because once you catch that bug, it, it, it's like a drug. You just want to automate everything, right? Yep. Automate all the things, right? I have a post on LinkedIn right now. I'm trying to hire someone. And it's like, I need someone who can automate all the things, right? That's <laughs> what I want. Um, and so that's kind of been our strategy. Now, if I can interject what Grant said, I think automation is garbage in, garbage out. So it's very important that yeah. we, we focus on the process and not automate everything. And then one thing he said is, uh, I tell people that, you know, bots should take over our jobs. I, I just want to clarify, bots should take over our clerical and mundane jobs. Because when you go and stand in front of the business and say, bots should take over our job, a lot of people who are doing that daily, they start looking at you, you're going to take my job away. And that's, that's sure. what we faced when we started the program. Yeah. And then we had to explain to them, no, it's the job that you absolutely don't like. Right. It's the mundane task. It's key keystrokes right. that we want to take away. And when we explain it, that, in fact, our bot process actually ended up creating head counts for us. Yes. Uh, because yeah. efficiency, and they, we started noticing, oh, if we had two more head counts here and they could do this intelligent mapping that we needed, that a bot at yeah. this point cannot do, uh, I think let's do that. So I think, I think. Yeah, uh, and to add to that, the best yeah. people to automate, uh, and I, I said that in jest yeah. because the yeah. best people to automate um, those situations are the people that are doing it already, yep. right? Yep. I would rather not hire somebody who's got a, a developer who's got a lot of uh, um, uh, skills and automation. I'd rather train up w one of the individuals that's doing that task over and over again and say, hey, you know, here's the framework, you know, go crazy, go nuts. And so when you do that, yep. you elevate your staff to a different Absolutely. level. So I have people on my staff that started out in very, um, you know, basic uh, ad IT administrator positions that have worked up the ranks into some of my most trusted analysts because yep. they've figured out that they can grow. And the best way to do that is not wait for an opportunity. It's to basically work themselves out of their job. Yep, right absolutely. Now. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think even from leaders, we're challenged with that mindset of working ourselves out of a job. Now, yeah. we're investing in leaders, <laughs> right? So that has to be kind of at an exponential level for a global company. So I want to pick on you a little bit here, Mike, when you talk about IT, because um, how, how is that automation affected when you have so many different locations and so many different presence of IT and so many different initiatives? How do you, how do you find that balance uh, of managing all of those things that, you know, yeah, I mean, I, techs want to do. Well, Grant and Ralph were talking about the, the you know, I, you know, we live right now in a world of legacy. I mean, you know, all these different SMC companies, they have, that's all they are, legacy. So um, for us, from an automation, you know, it's almost impossible for us to try to do something at the, the macro level. Any kind of automation has to be at a micro level for, the, for what we're trying to do. Um, where we're trying, you know, and where we can do it at the macro level is because we're consolidating into multiple uh, data centers and, 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 and smaller footprints, so then we can automate in those silos of, of, of compute. Mm. Um, but, you know, at, at, a, at a huge level, um, there, there's not a lot of 
opportunity with what we're doing right now to do a large scale automation. So we're really just trying to find those small nuggets, find those highly, or those uh, high effort, low efficiency, and the, the things that no one wants to do, that everyone hates to do, mm -hmm. and try to get those off of the plate, whether they're in IT or outside of IT, right. and leverage that as our, our goal for automation. Awesome, and when you think about like trying to find those things and, and trying to see things, um, kind of throw a, a little ball here towards you know Dynatrace and sponsorship. One of the things they talk about is obviously observability, right? How important or what role has being able to look at the IT resources across your organizations and using tools that allow you to see things? How has that played an effect on? automation or, or modernization? And it's just an open question for, for anyone on the panel. I can take because I have an easy answer to that. I would <laughs> love to explore that. Uh, we aren't there yet. Okay? Uh, uh, and the reason I say it, I mean, I think you, I, I'm, I'm seeing that we are paying the price of not making that investment some time ago from an observability mm -hmm. perspective. Because we have a bot that has failed here, and we go and we focus towards the bot and say, okay, what, why did it fail? Mm -hmm. Basically, the real reason is somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And having that single paint in class and say where exactly it's going on, that's something that we are not. We do monitoring. I mean, that's one aspect of it. That's a very small aspect of what needs to be done. So we aren't there yet, and I'm, I'm here to learn. Apparently, it looks like I'll be spending time with Dynatris <laughs> at the drinks today. Same with Rob. We, we haven't gotten there yet. And, and really, the, the frustrating thing is that means anytime something happens, anytime, you know, it's a reaction. Right? Yeah. So, yep. it is, you know, we don't get an opportunity then to prepare. We don't get an opportunity to make better decisions. We're just trying to restore services as, po as fast yeah. as possible. So that, that ability to do observability really changes the game and allows us to figure out how to better respond to something, yes. how to keep it from happening potentially, but then figuring out the right things to automate. So when something happens, the alert is more of, hey, this happened fixed rather than, oh, crap, everything is down, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, and now everyone swarms to go figure, figure out what needs to be done. Yeah, and, and, and the, the, I, I hear it over and over again, right? We talk about, like, legacy, and somewhere legacy got a, a bad word, and I kind of challenge it. Is it really legacy no. if everybody has it, right? Yeah. I mean, so I remember, like, you know, sitting in rooms. <laughs> right, exactly, vintage, right? I remember sitting in rooms, and, and everybody said, you just need to get to, to containers. Well, why? Because that's the future. All yeah. right. So then we get on Docker, and they're like, you're on Docker? You should be on Kubernetes. It's like, so for us, like, we joke, like, when we look at observability, yeah, like, yeah. one of the things that we say is, like, you know, when I look across, you know, our stack, obviously, uptime is what we live and die on, yeah. right? And when we're your SaaS product. So... Um, that's important to us. We have to know what's happening in all those different places. And I like to say that we've cracked that nut completely. We certainly have not cracked that nut completely. But where areas where we've been successful is where we um, really try to tie it back to a business outcome um, and look at the business process side of observability and what the outcome of that is and not necessarily, okay, what's the health of this service over here? What's the health of this yeah. service here? So yeah. I'm a big fan of, can I build a synthetic transaction around it? Can I build like what the user would experience? Because that's gonna tell me a whole lot more. Like uh, one of my team members, it cracked me up. He said one day, he said, now that we've moved some of our services to microservices, when we have an outage, it's like solving a murder mystery, right? Whereas before with legacy, it's like, oh, well, the database server's down. Now it's like, well, is it this service over here, or this service yep. over here? And so you've almost, we've exponentiated the problem and, and we didn't realize it. And you know, we've used tools like Dynatrace to solve that. So I'll give them a plug um, because that's where they, they kind of figured that out. Like, you know, you've got to have that whole visibility. So yes, you should talk to them. I should. Yeah. Remember that, Marino. Yeah. Almost. <laughs> <laughs>
I almost think a lot of times legacy, this is Sean's take on legacy, is that uh, a lot of times we use that conversation to kind of defer responsibility, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, yes. oh, that was totally from the previous administration. Yeah. That wasn't yes. something that we were How responsible for bringing. I don't know what the term limit is on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we do have a question online, um, and I'll leave it open for, for the panel, so you know, one person. So what are some tools that you've had the most success with in automating tasks? You, talk about RPA, maybe we want to just talk about specifically tool you've used. Yeah, we are using currently automation anywhere. Okay, uh, from there you RPA go. Perspective. Awesome. Um, and then anyone in the room have a question around technology, modernization? Put you guys on the spot here. There we go, right in the corner. Uh, can you use any low-code, low-code platforms We actually are considering one right now as we speak. So I won't give you any name because we have a front runner there and then you, lo you lose the negotiation <laughs> leverage. Uh, but yes, we are, we are actually looking at that. So automation anywhere definitely helping us from an RPA perspective. The low code, no code, there are certain business cases that fits very well for mm -hmm. us. Creation of forms, dynamic forms, things like that. So that's where we are focused on. Specifically also, it allows us to go to market a lot faster. And we all are facing talent shortage and it's tough to go and recruit more and more software engineers, senior software engineers that can do that. So the platform like those would really help us. We are it. We definitely leverage those, especially uh, where we, we need the business to take a more active approach and role in that RPA conversation. So what are the reports they need to be done? What tasks are they constantly working on? Using those low code, no code type uh, RPA systems, we've been able to free up a lot of that, that time, uh, but not having to necessarily have a lot of IT involvement in giving that to the business program. Yep. Awesome. So it was a great segue, um, Rob, that you had there when you talk about finding talent. So yes. Which are mindsets <laughs> and All right. Yes. And we get to talk about people. Yes. Um, all right. Hopefully in a, in a, in a positive way. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. We can try. Um, you know, uh, hey, a lot, of, a lot of part of what you do, and I think is overlooked when you lead information technology, is really leading uh, people. Mm. And so I'm gonna put the talent and finding talent to the side for just a second. In the context of uh, modernization, um, Narav, how do you influence people as an advocate of advancement? That's good. Um, I think somebody once told me, uh, this was around four years ago, uh, and I'm not trying to age myself, but he said, uh, <laughs> that you should spend the first 40 years of your life building your career and then spend the next 40 years of your life building your legacy. As a leader, I see the legacy of me should be the number of career I had a positive impact on. So it is my responsibility to go to each and every people of mine, uh, challenge them to grow, give them an opportunity to grow. In today's world, uh, in today's highly competitive world, when you give them an opportunity to grow and they do grow, they're going to leave and that is the right thing to do. Because you can advance them to a certain level and if they have the skills to get beyond that, you should be their number one cheerleader. Uh, from, when it comes to modernization, I think change management is the number one thing there. You know, when you sit in front of and start talking about, hey guys, we are taking all our objects to cloud or we are moving to containers and think, a lot of time, you know, it's human behavior, you know, we, we, we face this, what? I'm supposed to do this and what's going to happen to my job and is Grant going to just replace all of us and get people who have already done that? That's never true. I mean, as a leader, you'll never do that uh, because you need the knowledge, right? But you have to encourage them and you have to say, hey, first of all, and, and, and one thing I've seen where the leaders have failed the most is they paint this rosy picture 
hey, once we get to AWS or we right. get to Azure, this is how it's going to look, <coughs> and they forget that it's going to be a painful journey. Right. Okay, so it's important for the leader to stand in front of them and say, it is going to be painful as we go through this, but we are, as a leader, we are here to support you. We will provide the training, uh, access to uh, partners who can help us get get through this process, and then the other side, now your resume would look completely different than what it's looking today. That's the only way you can get, you know, be their cheerleader and help them grow. And please, yeah. please, I, I, I encourage everyone not to be selfish. Like, you know, we would, we, we, and we, we talked about a few minutes ago where we would compete among ourselves about like, hey, this is a talent, I don't want to lose it to SMC, mm -hmm. and they don't want to lose, that, that's no longer the case. Yeah. And we all have to right. work together. Yes. That way we keep the talent here in the great state of Indiana. Yes. And keep promoting them. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. You know, when I look, you echoed it, right? I mean, yeah. for me, it's, uh, when, I, when, I, when I talk to employees about, hey, we're going to go this direction, we're going to modernize, we're going to do these things, there is that trepidation initially of, oh, goodness, like, do I have the skill set to do that? But, you know, here's the good news. By the very definition of modernization, nobody has the skill set to nobody. do it, right? Okay? So let's start there. It's not like we're going to go out and find somebody that has 10 years experience in, you know, Kafka, because Kafka's not been around necessarily for 10 years, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, it, it, and, and so for, from my perspective, when we look at it, I always look at it as an opportunity to get people excited about the chance to really advance. And so when I, when we hire, when we build our team, um, we made, I made a decision, you know, several years ago that we're going to hire generalists. Even though I may really, really need somebody that can specialize in this tool set, the reality is that six months later, I will not need somebody who specializes in that tool set. That's just yeah, the reality right. of our jobs. So when you hire generalists and you encourage them to kind of branch out across the tech stack, um, they, they get excited and it just, it, and all of a sudden something clicks and then it's a, basically you create an environment of learning consistently. Yep. And when you do that, like that's the best thing they can do. So if I'm looking at a legacy, I want someone to say, hey, when I worked in Grant's organization, I felt like I always had an opportunity to add value to the business and learn something new, and I never was shoehorned or pigeonholed into this particular task or this particular group. And so that's what's important for me. Yeah, no, I was gonna say, I, I kind of feel like as, as where I sit in the organization, my job is my people. Yep. Uh, you know, we, we obviously have a focus around technology and we're expected to make good decisions to, to help add value to the company with technology, but it's about the people that are in our organization. Um, and, and, and much like both of them said, you know, we, I, I need uh, the people who, who want to grow. And I want people who, to get better. I want people to have the marketable skills that one day may get them out of, out, of, out of SMC. You know, there is no better, there is no better feeling than having somebody that worked with you, that you've trained, that you've helped grow, be somewhere else and then, you know, and be successful there. I, I, I get, I, you know, I have a lot of pride when that happens. Because um, I think that's leader. That's that's our responsibility. And you know, like Ross said, keeping them here and you know, keeping those jobs where we can in inside of a you know group of, of, of companies and keeping them here in Indiana is huge for the state as well and the local economy. So uh, you know, making sure that we're not trying to compete with each other um, is, is huge. And and for me, you know, it's when when somebody comes and has the opportunity and takes it takes that chance and and brings passion to something that they are. I, you know, my goal is to get out of the way. Find a way to let them go run with their passion and, and support that and let them go. Um, you know, so we have, we have some people who are finding themselves. So it, you know, they may you know, peek into certain types of jobs off and on for, for several years, then they find it. We have some people who know what they want to do and we help get them, get them to that place. But mm. um, you know, definitely don't want to pigeonhole anyone. Definitely want to make sure that um, the employees, the people who are doing the work are the ones really guiding 
how I support their career and not me just dictating here what everything goes. So. Knowing that the, the journey in IT modernization may be a little difficult, right? It may be challenging at times. How do you keep the stoke level high? You know, when you're, when you're investing in people, like how do you keep them excited about the things and the initiatives that um, you're wanting the, the company to invest in? I, th I think making sure everyone understands the vision at the end of the day is huge. Yes. They need to understand what, where we're going. And then making sure we're very deliberate about celebrating successes. It's really, you know, it is messy doing what we're trying to do. I mean, there's no easy way to modernize. There's no easy way to operate IT anymore. So, you know, as we're modernizing, which is going to be messy, it's going to be dirty, it's, you know, everyone needs to be able to embrace the suck. And to be able to do that, you need to be able to celebrate those wins. You need to be able to make sure everyone understands the good things that are happening, yep. the, the work that people are having, so then there's a drive to want to continue better. It's also really important to, you know, uh, celebrate the failures. Where have we tried something and not done well? What did we learn and how did that affect us and, and you know, see that as a win down the road? Um, you know, I think that that's the biggest thing is they need to feel, I think that the goal is to make, help them feel like they're a part of something that's better than, bigger than what they are mm -hmm. and that they want to be a part of. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I look at it, you know, I want everybody on my team, regardless of where they are in the organization, to be able to um, be able to articulate if they get on the elevator to CEO, what they're doing and why it adds value to the business and what the in business outcome is of that. Because if they, don't, if they can't do that, then I'm not doing my job, right? Um, I, don't, I don't subscribe to the notion that people just want to come in and do their job and only care about their own little window, nor do I want those people on my team, right? I want people to see the bigger picture. And so it's kind of our job to set that and that vision. And, and absolutely, I love the, everybody talks about celebrating your wins. But the other thing is, is you need to make your wins small and achievable and you need to have iterative goals, right? Yep. A lot of times we start out with this magnum opus idea as leaders and we have this vision and if we don't get there, then we ourselves aren't programmed to celebrate even the small steps along that journey. And our team, you know, they could have killed themselves for, you know, that first line on that Gantt chart and we're over here thinking about, oh, what are we going to get done in Q3? And, and so for me, it's really being able to dive down deep enough to be able to say, hey, what you did that got us here. And if you hadn't done this, we're not even moving there, right? And really articulating that. Oh, that's awesome. You know, one of the things, um, so I'm new to the VP role, right? And I was looking at how we kind of do meetings and didn't want to get into status meetings. So um, I created this concept called Visa, and it's how we'd run these strategy sessions rather than doing... With your credit card? Yeah, that's okay. right. I would pay for them. Everybody would be super... That's a Hey, stoke level is high. <laughs> Um, but the idea was that we would carry a conversation um, through victories, and that's where we would start first, because so many things are going on that can bring you down. So if I can bring in the directors and we can talk about successes that we had, we can try to get that stoke level up. And then, yeah, we're going to go into I, which is issues, solutions, and, and then actions. Um, jury's out on the success of that yet, <laughs> because I'm just doing it. But, but I have seen at least the first part of those conversations, the... Uh, everybody looking back on, oh, well, this was a success, you know, whether it was small or big, and it's, it's been uh, beneficial. Uh, I did come across, though, a video about 10 years ago, uh, Mike, where you were able to give props to IT. <laughs> Wait, yeah, he was like, Wait a minute. You said you had something on me. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Um, and you were able to lay down some pretty cool rhymes and rap. 
Yeah, yeah, it was really. <laughs> uh, and so uh, I thought that was great. But that even those little things where you do that and you put out, um, people enjoy it, lifts up, you know, there's particular spirits. And so I got to see that. Um, you'll have to blame Adrian for that. So if you ever connect with her, you can do that. Uh, she did, uh, she did, she did, yeah, she did share that with me. My best part of that clip at the very, very end, you're on the back of a golf cart. I don't know who your associate is next to you, but he's making it rain. And you have a wad of cash and you just go and throw the entire wad of cash out. But I, I thought that was, uh, I thought that was, you know, super great. So, you know, it's nice for, I think those that are delivering all these modernization efforts for be able to see us in those unique ways and give props in that. So I thought that was great. I think that's probably about 10 years old. So you're going to have to give yourself a little bit more time to work on your rhymes and do it again. Um, but I was going <laughs> to give you some props for that because I, I really enjoyed it. So I can't imagine how much the folks that work for you enjoyed it at, at that time. Uh, so st sticking with, you know, people, you know, what are some other ways you're kind of cultivating kind of this modernization culture, you know, within IT so that they're naturally thinking about it? So culture, a defining culture here for me would be just things that go without saying, right? So it's just naturally, organically happening. What are, what are things that you're doing or we could do to help um, cultivate that culture so that all of the technologists are thinking about automation, they're thinking about modernizing um, just in their their day-to-day -day work I can take that one at least start um, I think I think number one you have to uh, and, uh, and I think Mike said this you have to celebrate failure but what I'm trying to say is you have to take the fear of failure away because I think that's holding people back uh, because they're afraid that if they fail they, they get one strike and no three strike you know that kind of stuff so you have to first take it away you have to encourage people to say innovation is the only way we continue to serve our business a lot of time what we see, and we see this, uh, I'm sure you guys see this as well, where business goes out and they come to us with newer ideas because they go to the conferences and, and I'm like, no, we are IT, we should be going there. And the only way we could do them is we understand their business, first of all, very well, spend time understanding the business and then feel free. No idea is a stupid idea. Uh, third thing I would say, and I know this is not a diversity panel, but diversity plays a very key role when we start talking about bringing, uh, creating that culture where innovation, experimenting, hackathons, it's just norm. And I think diversity play a role because I remember three and a half years ago, I, I, I started this job and I entered the room and there was no diversity. And I was wondering why we weren't an innovative culture, why we weren't. And as, as we started making a leadership team and entire department more diverse, it's naturally started to be because people challenge each other. They come from different backgrounds, mm -hmm. and that helps a lot. Mm -hmm. Those would be my three, at least. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, when when it comes to building that culture, I think you hit it on the head. You know, um, it needs to be a safe place to fail. Mm. Um, you need to trust your team. Mm. So that's a huge. And as, you know, as a team grows, as a team tries things, there's going to be conflict. And I think making sure that you can handle the conflict correctly and really it will help continually build that cycle of being able to innovate. Um, also at SMC, with, you know, along the lines of what Rob was talking about, understanding the business, we've uh, been for the last, well, we had to take a break because of uh, COVID, but we had uh, a, about every quarter or so we had a, what's called an open space event, which is a great opportunity to allow people from IT, from anywhere in the business, anyone in the company is allowed to join. And we're allowed to talk about topics that affect the business, that affect IT. Mm. We get, you know, we get people outside of IT chiming in on IT, IT conversations, so we get a different perspective. 
we get to understand and learn what they're trying to do and why it's important to them. And it brings a lot of different understanding there. So then we walk out of that with experiments, with knowledge, with understanding, with compassion and empathy for what pain sometimes we cause. Yep. They, the yes. same, the empathy and compassion on the pain they can kind of sometimes cause us. So it really changes the whole culture of the company to a certain degree to start not just worrying about innovation from an IT standpoint, but then innovating as a company as a whole, but knowing that we have a part to play in that. Yeah, and I'll just add one thing because these are these are great comments. I echo all of it, but the other thing is is I think as leaders, um, we have to be vulnerable. And um, yes. the best conversations I've ever had, and you know, it's important that um, when you're in the room that you are not the smartest person in the room. And so when I'm on the um, I'm on the call with my directs, I'm just absolutely humbled. Um, when I'm in the room with them because these are just really smart people. And the best uh, the best uh, outcomes that we've ever had, whether we're in adversity or we're in it and we're, de we're dealing with an issue or an incident, whatever it might be, is when I've just made the comment, I have no idea. Does anybody have any crazy ideas? Um, because if, if they, if you always have an answer and, and your approach is a Socratic method of, of getting everybody to feel your vision, um, then you're never going to grow as a leader either. And so um, when you open yourself up to humble, and like when we were going through, you know, not I know this isn't a COVID panel, but when we had people spread out all over and, and things were kind of in disarray, you know, that affects the team. And so, you know, rather than, you know, kind of just being able to say, oh, I've got all the answers. We're all remote now. We can't fly in and see each other. All that's gone and we've got to maintain our data centers. What are we going to do? Rather than have a meeting where we just went, hey, guys, this is our path forward. Go. I got on a call and said, all right, anybody got any crazy ideas? Because this yep. is going to be a wild year. And, um, and out, out of that came one of our most, I would say, one of our biggest team building years. And, you know, I'm blessed to say that we kept everybody on the team through all of that. Um, and that was just because I think we just said, you're empowered to help us do this. this. This sucks. Let's figure it out together. Thank you for listening in to this week's edition of Ask Key Anything presented by Mosher Consulting. We hope you enjoyed listening in to part one of our CIO Roundtable. Make sure to join us next week when we will be bringing you part two of the CIO Roundtable. Remember, if you have an idea or a topic you'd like for us to explore, please reach out to us through our social media channels. In the meantime, please remember to give us a rating and subscribe to our feed wherever you get your podcasts. Until then, so long, everybody. 